everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Good to see you gathered here. We, uh, we welcome you here, gathered safely here, and we welcome you who are at home, worshiping where you are. Uh, we love that we can be gathered together as one church wherever we are, and, and uh, we enter into a new series this morning, To Give His Life, that Jesus knew all along the way that he had come to give his life away. And as we're safely gathered here and we're also greeting those who are still at home and worshiping from home, we know we're one church united by one spirit to the glory of one God. We're all together. And so uh, we uh, are going to receive the word of God from home again this series. And today we're going to hear John 12, verses 12 to 25, as read by Eddie and Mona Yasa. So I encourage you to open up your, your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, and prepare to hear John 12, verses 12 to 25. And let's hear the word of the Lord. Good morning. We are Eddie and Monayasa, and we will be reading from the book of John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 25. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, There were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They come to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless kernel of weeds falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Amen. 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 Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, your holy word. Inspired by your spirit, guarded and transmitted by your spirit through the church, and then by your Holy Spirit implanted in our hearts hearts a living word today to help us to hear your voice, to know your grace and truth, and call you home to you, Jesus. So we thank you for it, that it lands on us right now and draws us into your love. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said? 
Amen. Well, New Orleans was uh, quiet and cold uh, this week. Was anybody there? You wouldn't admit, right? You wouldn't admit. So, you know, usually it's a big, this is a big week in New Orleans. I mean, usually this is a big, big party week. The parade and the music go on and on. And, and I've never been uh, for that. But, um, but I have seen these, uh, you know, have you seen these funeral processions that they put on in New Orleans? Have you ever seen how they handle funeral processions in New Orleans? They kind of come out with uh, trumpets and trombones and kind of march along a little step at a time. And they've got kind of a a funeral shuffle that they're doing. And, and it's just like, I mean, this is the way to do it. I, actually, this is really the way to do it. I might have an outline in my will or something. So be ready. Some of you might have to learn that little shuffle. But uh, I think, you know, you watch that go by and you think, wow, is this, I mean, is this a, a funeral or is this a parade? It's hard to tell the difference. Well, we're kind of in the same place here. It's Palm Sunday in our scripture the real Palm Sunday isn't until the end of March, right, when we're moving into Easter week. But our passage today is the Sunday that Jesus entered Jerusalem and began his Passion Week, his week of suffering, the last week of his ministry here on earth. And, you know, I just got a little tired of, of wedging that whole thing into two Sundays, you know? Because if you look at this, the Gospels, they spend... A third of all their chapters, of all their material, of all their verses, a third of it is spent on that last week of Jesus' life. It's like if you wrote a biography of somebody and it's 600 pages long and you spent 200 pages on how they died, right? That's how the Gospels arrange what they want to tell us about. So this is critically important. So I thought, hey, let, this year, let's, let's stretch it out and we'll just enter uh, Jerusalem and we'll go through that week with Jesus all the way along as we walk from now until Easter. It began with this parade that we know so well as Palm Sunday. But was it really a parade? Jesus knew it was a funeral procession. Jesus came to earth for one primary reason, to give his life away, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The same John that we're reading, he would later write to the churches, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. This is how we know, it says, what love is. Jesus lay down his life. That's like, I mean, question, what is love? Answer, Jesus lay down his life. I think for most of us, we can't even really match those up. Can I match up question and answer? Feels like two totally different ideas. Like, what is love, you know? Uh, and we're just thinking about uh, you know, heart-shaped boxes full of chocolates, right? And flowers and roses and romance and ba-da-da-da-da. What is love? And then the answer, question, what is love? Answer is Jesus laid down his life for us. I think sometimes we can't even bring those two into an equation. And church, that's what I want. What I want for you, what I want for us, is to, is to, is to link question and answer. What is love? It's Jesus 
who laid down his life. What is love? It's Jesus and his intentions before us. Jesus laid down his life for us. I want us to get to the very heart of Jesus, to kind of get, as that image is, to kind of get into his perspective. That's his hand in, that, in our image, reaching out toward us in the city that's under uh, Pikes Peak. It's, it's Jesus who knew why he was here. In every engagement that Jesus had, as you read along every story about Jesus, every ministry moment, every conversation, conversation, every, every promise, every miraculous event or holy healing. In each one of these, Jesus, it never left his consciousness what that cost. He knew what it would take. In every one of these events, it's connected in Jesus' mind to the very act that would make that thing possible, that would restore a fallen humanity to a holy God, the very act that was necessary for any of those promises to be kept. The very act that was necessary for Jesus, the Son of God, to accomplish as the Son of Man in the flesh. The very act of going to the cross to die as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In the back of Jesus' mind, was always this truth. He came to give his life. John says it again in that same letter. This is love. Hey, what is love? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. On some level, see, I understand what love is when I understand that Jesus came to give his life. And he knew it that day. When everybody was singing and shouting and rah, rah, he knew it. He knew it wasn't a parade. He knew it was something else. Well, if you've been around uh, the church, if you've been dragged to church a few times, you've, you've probably heard about Palm Sunday. Um, it's something that's pretty well known. It's Palm Sunday. It's that Sunday uh, that we hand out little branches and leaves to all the kids to whip each other with all day long, you know. Whack, whack, whack. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Palm Sunday. Jesus, he had resolved to enter Jerusalem. All the Gospels tell us this story, and they tell us that this happened. He had resolved to enter Jerusalem, and so he came. He came with the throngs of people who were coming to celebrate the Passover feast, one of the big five festivals that Jerusalem would host every year. And, and, and people would, I mean, the city would swell up. It would swell up 10 times its size. One ancient Jewish historian said it was over 2 million people that would come for Passover in the first century. And so the city would just explode with people all out on the countryside, all camping, you know, all out. And Jesus, he's coming to be part of that, part of that crowd. He's resolved to do it. And as he comes and as he marches in, he doesn't just walk along with everybody. Actually, he gets up on a donkey. And he, and he rides in. There'd been prophecy about this, that that's how the Messiah would come. Not as a conquering hero barreling in on a white stag, but would come humbly on a donkey. And you know, the people, they noticed it, and, they, and they'd seen enough about Jesus' miracles and ministry to, to, to have a little hope. And so they start erupting in song. From Psalm 118, a messianic psalm that they would all know when they were coming to these festivals and they start erupting and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, it means God save us now. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed, the anointed one, the servant of God, the son of God, the son of man, the Messiah, or in Greek, the Christos. Maybe Messiah is here. Maybe this is the one. And he enters through that east gate and everyone is singing and shouting. And if, if the people didn't shout, the stones would take up the job. Messiah is here. That's Palm Sunday. And probably if you've been around church, you've heard that story. So let's go down to the second layer because kind of behind the main scene, there's a whole other layer of action that's playing out. And it kind of looks like this. In the background of the main scene, there is the main crowd there for the Passover, but there is also a second crowd, a crowd that was following Jesus around because of what they had just seen. You see, Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead in Bethany, not so far away, just kind of just over the hill. And so they had come because they saw this happen, and they heard that it happened, and they wanted to see what he would do next. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 17, now the crowd that was with them when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. They wanted to see what Jesus would do next. And in that group, there was also the religious elite, the Pharisees, who, who themselves, they were growing in envy and jealousy at the rising influence of Jesus and of his teaching. And, you know, and by the way, whenever they stopped to listen to his teaching, to them, it sounded, it rang heretical. And so they're out to get him. In fact, in, in chapter 11 of John, if your Bible's open, you just read up the page, they resolved when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead... They resolved from that moment to figure out how to take his life. And then they say, verse 19, so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this, is, this isn't working. <laughs> Anybody got plan B? See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And then, then something else happens, okay? The main scene, now we're behind the scenes. Something else happens. Look at verse 20. Now there were some, what? Greeks. Among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. We want to go see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, they ran and in turn told Jesus. Now why are they so excited? What's the big deal? What's happening? I mean, so there's some, some Greeks there. What's the problem? And they want to see Jesus. Well, friends, this is also a sign of the Messiah. This is a, a telltale sign that God is up to something in Jesus. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 12, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to make a blessed nation of you. Look at Genesis 12, verse 3. And I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through who? Through you. And so this blessing isn't just going to be for us. It's going to be for the whole world. It's going to be for all nations. And Isaiah and the prophets, they were praying for this. They were watching for this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Isaiah said in Isaiah 60, Isaiah 60, verse 3, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So foreigners coming to be blessed by Jesus, those from the outside coming to the, the disciples, they're fired up. 
I mean, it's happening. We were praying that our people would be a blessing to all nations. We were praying that God would do something so big that all people could be blessed by it, not just, the, not just our, our little family, not just our little nation, but that all people would be blessed by what God's doing through us. And now it's happening. I mean, Jesus, there's nations coming to you. I mean, it's just a few Greeks, right? Settle down, right? A couple guys with some hero sandwiches or whatever. Are they gyros or heroes? What's the story? I don't know. They're messy. But for Philip, he sees it. And he runs, he grabs Andrew. And they run and tell Jesus, it's happening. It's really happening. We're finally breaking out. I mean, this ministry is going global. We're going viral, Jesus. We're breaking out of the circle. Look at this. Here come the Greeks. Here come the nations. Here come the kings. Here come everybody to be blessed by you. This is it. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Can you see the look on Philip and Andrew's face? What? But if it dies... It produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Yes, it's time to be glorified, Jesus says. It's time for glory. What does that mean? It's not a global expansion of our ministry. It's not a viral breakout moment. It's not success as you guys see success. I love you guys, I love you guys. It's not success as you see success. It's time for me to be glorified. Jesus knows it's time to give his life. He's only five days away from the cross. It's not a parade. It's a funeral procession. There's that moment, isn't there, in the great movies and the the binge-worthy series, the great novels, where the hero gives their life for everybody else. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden, nobody noticed. Hey, where's Gary, you know? Oh, he left. And he went off to face the enemy all by himself. What's he doing? He's gone off to face the enemy forces all by himself, certain death, and it's only to give us enough time to escape. Or, or you know, there's that figure who... You know, she, she suddenly shut the door on the escape pod on the spaceship and launched it, but she wasn't in it. She stayed on the ship, knowing that only we could survive on the, on the escape pod, you know? And so then there's that moment, you're with me? There's that moment where you're fading away and, and she's looking through the glass of the spaceship and, and she's got that look in her eye, right, of resolve. I've given my life for you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know? It's when Frodo is suddenly gone. He's, where'd he go? He took the ring, didn't he? He's going to Mordor. You're all lost. Look this up. Because <laughs> movies do this again and again. These stories, they do this again and again. Why? Because what happens to your heart in that moment? All of a sudden, you see that person. You see the look in their eye. I'm giving my life for you. And then you, you, you're kind of like, my heart just went. I mean, it just broke open. Like, oh, 
but I love that person. Oh my gosh, there's such a great character. What selflessness, what love, what inspiration that, that she would give her life to save everybody else that was on the, on the escape pod, that he would give his life just to let them escape. Friends, what I want you to see is I want you to see that character in Jesus. He had that look in his eye the whole time he was in his ministry. I mean, with every single engagement, with every single moment, with every part of his ministry, Jesus knew what was coming. He had that look of sacrifice in his eye, of knowing sacrifice all along. I know what it costs for me to make this promise and make it come true. I know what it's gonna take for me to provide the healing that you need. I know what I'm going to have to do to reconcile you to a loving and holy God. I know what it's gonna cost. And I take that cost. I know what it takes to save your life. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. That's Jesus who came to give his life. What does that mean for us? A friend of mine um, came to faith in his, his late 30s, and um, he was a very successful guy. He... Um, had a successful career in marketing and sales of medical equipment all up and down the eastern seaboard. You know someone's successful when they talk about the seaboard, right? The eastern seaboard. I don't even know what that really means, but it sounds expensive. And his career was just gangbusters. He was making it. But his marriage fell apart, and it was his fault. And that's when he met Jesus. But he was a super ambitious guy. He was like a control-oriented, like, worker guy. Like, I make stuff happen, right? I'm the guy who makes stuff happen. And so this is what he thought. He thought, oh, this is really good. Now I know Jesus. Now I've got something worthwhile to drive my life toward. I mean, I had been driving my life toward money and success and, and women. Well, now I'll drive my life toward God and faith and Jesus. And so, fantastic. I've got it now, right? I'm headed in the right direction to drive my life. And you know what? There wasn't any freedom in that. There wasn't any relief in that. There wasn't any forgiveness in that. It was only an ambitious resolve to be successful in a new direction, to be successfully religious. In fact, what he found was his old habits were just creeping up on him again. And it took a long time before the truth of this scripture settled into his heart. I've got to give my life to Jesus. I've got to, I've got to die to myself. I've got to go down like a seed into the soil before him. And if he's going to raise me up that's up to him. I've got to give my life away. And it was when he was at that submission and that death to self 
that much giving over of his life that actually he, he found the resolve to change a lot of things in his life. In fact, he changed his career. He left his career, he became a Christian counselor, and now he's a Christian counselor and an author leading hundreds and hundreds of people into newfound freedom and health in Jesus Christ. That's what it is to give your life to Christ. It isn't just taking the wheel and turning it another direction. It's giving your whole life over to Jesus. Trust and faith. You say, I'm dead to myself. I've died to my old life. I leave it at the cross. And if I'm going to rise again, I've just gone down into the earth. I've thrown myself into Jesus' hands. If I'm to have life, if I'm to rise again, that's up to him. It's up to Jesus. And if I lay cold in the ground, it's what I deserve. But I trust. And I believe in what I've witnessed of Jesus and what I know of his grace. I have faith that he will lift me up into new life once again. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You see, friends, you're just, your life is just a seed. You're just like a seed. Just one. And in your own hands, that's all you'll be. But if you lay it down, if you give your life into Jesus' hands, well, as long as you... As long as you're holding on to that seed, as long as you're holding on to your life and you say, I'm going to grip that, I'm going to clench down on it, I'm going to try to milk that seed for all the life that I need, well, that's all there is. When you give your life over to Jesus Christ, when you drop it into the soil. Jesus uses the word hate, doesn't he? If you hate your life, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it. He uses the word hate. And it isn't, supposed to, it isn't that you're supposed to walk around hating your life, okay? You're not supposed to walk around hating all the things that are happening to you, hating all the people around you. That's obviously not what Jesus meant. What did he mean? He meant you've got this seed, and as long as you're gonna hold on to it like it's, all, it's, it's the only thing, and you're just gonna be squeezing on it, clenching on it, trying to milk it for life, as long as you hold on to that, you're not going to find the life that is truly life. But if you will, if you will despise it enough to drop it in the soil and trust it to me, if you will drop your life in the soil at the foot of Jesus, if you will lay your life down in the soil at the foot of the cross, well then, well then in the victories of Christ, you may just find yourself. It's the question that Jesus has for us. Can you lay your life down fully at his feet? Can you toss your life completely down at the foot of the cross? Can you die to self in the hope of living to him? Will you remain a single seed or will you become a field of harvest? It isn't about joining the parade of success. It's about a funeral procession. Give your life to Jesus and trust him to raise it up again. And friends, when Jesus said these things, when he puts these things before you, he knows what he's talking about. Jesus knows what it is to give his life away. The disciples didn't. Remember, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Verse 16. Only after Jesus was, was what? 
was glorified. Did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him? Only after Jesus was glorified. And Jesus later said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Isn't he being glorified? Listen to the shouts and the songs. Look at the palms and the branches. Look at the the way that all the blankets and the coats are laid down in front of him, riding in on a donkey through the east gate of Jerusalem at Passover. Isn't he being glorified? That's glory. No, says Jesus. No. This isn't the glory. The glory is, is when I do what I have come here to do. The glory is when I take the sin of all the world on my own flesh. And when I allow myself to be taken and arrested unjustly tried. When I accept the unjust sentence of murderous powers. When I lie down on my back on a cross of wood as the Roman soldiers drive the nails through when I'm lifted up and when I die that's the glory I've come to give my life that's the glory because then just wait you'll see it's then that death will die. It's then that redemption will be won. It's then that reconciliation with God will be possible. And you will rise with me to new life because it's from that moment that all things that God has created begin to be made new. And you can follow in my steps when you give your life over to me. That's glory. Not a parade, a funeral procession, but this funeral march ends at an empty grave. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for our lives, so precious to us. It's so challenging for us, Jesus, to to come to, to grips with what love is, what you've done for us and to have the courage to lay down our lives. I pray, Jesus, for everyone within the sound of my voice, that as you move toward them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that they would have the courage to lay their lives before you, the trust to give their lives over to you, to know that as you have died and as you have risen again from the grave, as you have opened the gate to eternal life, that in following in your name, there is life in you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that every one of us would cast our lives at your feet, trust you to lift us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T, P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.